You are listening to the Word of Grace podcast. We're a small church with a big vision to reach unchurched, dechurched, and underchurched people by presenting a Pentecostal, full gospel message. It is our prayer that this message you're about to hear would illuminate the truth, offer freedom, and honor Christ. Thanks for listening. Open your Bible to Luke chapter 19. So I want to give you a little background. You know, Jesus never lost sight of his divine mission. Jesus lived his life on mission. And that principal mission, I believe, can be, is summed up really in Luke chapter 19, and that is that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Um, I am convinced that Jesus came, uh, and he kept his eyes open uh, for those people that were ripe under the harvest, who were spiritually ready to leave darkness behind and to embrace the light. Um, not everybody is always there at the same time. You know, I've preached hundreds of times, if not thousands of times, and, and uh, there's just a time you can, look at, you can look out, you can look at somebody, and you can see, boy, they're ready. And uh, they're ready to either give their lives to Christ, uh, they're ready to make this next commitment. You can just kind of tell that they're ready. Um, And so Jesus, I believe, lived his life looking to to see people who were ready, ready for the next. Um, One of the best or most popular beloved storylines in all of Scripture is that of Zacchaeus. Almost everyone knows, you don't have to have ever went to Sunday school in your life, and, and almost everyone knows Zacchaeus climbed a tree to see Jesus, and that uh, Jesus stopped and spoke with him, and if you don't, if you, most people know that part of the story, and Jesus, by the time their conversation was over, offered the rich man forgiveness. So the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, the prodigal son, all these parables find their fulfillment, their perfect fulfillment, really in the redemptive story of Zacchaeus and Sumner and Chris and Jennifer and Carla and Carol. All those those parables find their fulfillment there. Um, the story of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus is all we know of him is just a little bitty, 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 bitty bit. And, and we teach Zacchaeus to the children. Uh, it's a cute little story, but I'm, I'm going to try to kind of blow it up for you, unpack it, explain it, whatever terminology you want to use. Um, Zacchaeus's story is uh, really quite powerful, to sh- and it shows God's redemptive plan to help us turn from our sins and, and Jesus' ability to turn hopeless situations into glorious victories for the cross. So this morning we find Jesus, and we'll get straight to it, we find Jesus near in Jericho. He's on his way uh, to Jericho, and so he's coming up, up to Jerusalem. So I, I didn't, I thought about putting a map, but I, I decided against it. So let's say Jerusalem is here and Jericho is 17 miles here and it's a trek going up. I don't, he, Jesus has been in Galilee and so I've been to Jericho and so several of you guys and, and y'all want to, we'll go again next year. Um, anyway, so Jesus is on his way up uh, through Jericho and he's heading to Jerusalem where he will uh, give his life as a ransom for you and for me. So Jesus is really at the, at, the, at the end of his natural journey. 
So while he's on the south side, or really, I guess the north side, he's, going, he's coming down to, he's going up to Jericho, and he's still outside, and uh, outside the city, and he's, uh, he's attracted a large crowd like Jesus is prone to do. And Bartimaeus is sitting on the outside of the city gates, and he hears this ruckus. Bartimaeus is blind. Um, I don't call him blind Bartimaeus because he ain't been blind in a long time. So Bartimaeus is blind. He's sitting outside the city gates, and he's begging, and he hears this ruckus going on. He knows something's happening, and, and he asks, what's going on? And Scripture tells us very clearly that uh, the, the, the crowd or somebody spoke to him and said, it's Jesus. Jesus is coming through Jericho. And so Bartimaeus immediately lifted his voice. He, car- he cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Uh, people in the crowd told him to hush, and Bartimaeus just lifted his voice louder again. And this sermon is coming sometime in the next three or four weeks. So... Bartimaeus lifted his voice. Bartimaeus, when people told him to hush now, he didn't listen, and he just kept right on hollering, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sometimes you just got to lift your voice and holler, Jesus. And that's what Bartimaeus did. And so Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, where he's going to deliver a a, a huge amount of scriptures going to be recorded on Jesus' last week. He is a man on a mission, but he hears... This, this son of David have mercy on me out above the crowd. And Jesus does something really unusual here. And that is he just stops. The man on a mission stops and says, bring them to me. So they got Bartimaeus. They brought Bartimaeus to Jesus. Jesus asked him, what do you want? And that's going to be an interesting part of the story in a few weeks when we get to tell it. Jesus said, I want you to restore my sight. Jesus says, okay, restores his sight. And Scripture tells us that everybody started worshiping and praising the Lord. And I am quite certain, because I understand human nature to some degree, that they then, all that did was heighten their curiosity to what Jesus is going to do next. So all these, this crowd then got super excited, they got really super curious, and they stuck even closer to Jesus, and Jesus then starts walking through Jericho on the way to Jerusalem. What he does displeases them. Um, the truth of the matter is, Jesus will thrill a crowd one minute and upset them the next. Is, is just kind of the nature of Jesus. It's certainly the nature of the gospel. Um, you'll be, yay, one minute, and the next minute them fists will be clenched for another reason. And uh, that's just kind of how Jesus does. Not everything fits into our preconceived notions of God. So I'm going to read uh, actually one, 19, 1 through, uh, I believe it's uh, 9, it could be 10, uh, 10. And I put it in the New Living Translation uh, for you. I have it in my notes. I'm going to read the entire passage so that you can see it. Then we're going to come back and do kind of like I always do and just start at the beginning of the story. And I'm going to tell the story of Zacchaeus' salvation uh, this morning. Uh, And right now we're just going to read that now. Uh, Jesus entered into Jericho. And he made his way through town. So I told the story of Bartimaeus so you know Jesus isn't just there with three or four people. He's there with a crowd around him that's really super excited. 
All right, so there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. So when Jesus came, he looked at Zacchaeus and called him by name, Zacchaeus! He said, quick, come down! I must be a guest in your home today. I'm just going to read that. Thank you very much. So Zacchaeus did what anybody with any sense would do. He climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. Remember, five minutes ago, they were thrilled to death with Jesus. They were excited. They had been praising the Lord. And so it's possible for, for people to go from worshiping the Lord one minute and then upset at the preacher the next. I don't understand it. It just is what happens. If you don't believe me, start working on your sermon, and I'll give you about 10 minutes on Sunday, and you'll see that you, they people go from happy to mad in uh, 3.2 seconds. Uh, it happened to Jesus, and it sure enough has happened to me. Sometimes it's Jesus' fault, sometimes it's mine. But, but the people were displeased. He's going to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. And so listen, if you feel lost today... You have, the, you have the full attention of Jesus. If you, if you don't know which way is up from down, Jesus is here to speak to you today. If you don't know if you're a son of the light or a son of darkness, Jesus is here to, to clarify the situation. Today is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. So let's pray right now. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we give you glory, honor, and praise. We are so grateful that, that Jesus, we know, he came to seek and to save the lost. Father, most of us in this room at one time or another were completely lost, hopeless, helpless, godless, undone, in need of a Savior. And that's who Jesus was to us at the beginning, and he has been that to us all these years later. Father, there, there may very well be somebody in this room this morning that's still lost, they're they're making their way through. They haven't, they haven't found themselves. They haven't found you. And they need some direction. I pray, God, that the day would be the day that the lost are found. In Jesus' name, amen. And so Zacchaeus, going back to verse uh, really 1 through 4, uh, Zacchaeus was a, a Jew, but he was despised as a sellout. He was a traitor to all Judah. Uh, because he worked for the Romans collect, collecting tariffs. That's when he says he's a tax collector, not like an income tax collector, but a customs agent, so to speak, and really not a customs agent, the boss of a bunch of customs agents. So I did a little research and, and found that with the Romans, every time uh, you took a good through a, a new territory, the tax collectors uh, got a 3%, charged a 3% tariff on that good. Now, 
You can just imagine if you go start taking those goods through this territory and then that territory and then this territory and you're on your way to Rome with it, you could, you could go through between eight and ten territories. And so imagine then the amount of taxes that are having to be paid. Some of y'all are grown and got jobs and own property and you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you just say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, get me out of this tax quag quagmire, right? And so, uh, so these people are absolutely no different um, they, they know that every time a good that's trying to get to their living room goes through customs, that this price just get, get, get starts ticking higher and higher and higher. Jericho is at, a, is at a crossroads of trade, or was then, and so the collections, by, by everything that I read, would have, would have been really high anyway if they'd have just played fair. But... We know Zacchaeus did not play fair. So what he was doing in charging exorbitant fees, because would, they would also take bribes, it was very common to say, okay, I tell you what, instead of paying 3% to Rome, give me 2% and I'll put it in my pocket. That was very common. Then they would charge the 3% and just out of spite, they'd add another percent or two and they'd put that in their pocket. So they got their normal cut plus... Plus, they robbed from people. We know that that drives down the quality of everybody's living. It is tariffs, though, are especially hard on the poor. And so what he was doing was making everybody's quality of living go down. Meanwhile, the exorbitant prices were affecting the, the poor in uh, greater ways. And he had several people working under him. So he got their cut, too. So he likely made a really nice wage. Uh, there's anthropologists and people that study all this that said his salary from Rome was plenty fine to live on real nicely. He just really wasn't satisfied with that. And so he added, added to the cost of doing business in Jericho and drove prices up. Meanwhile, he was padding his pocket. Meanwhile, I said all of that to say this, that, Nic that uh, Nicodemus, that's another sermon, Zacchaeus, um, Zacchaeus was despised uh, because he exploited people who could do nothing to prevent him from doing that. Um, he was beyond unwelcome. He was despised. Um, he was not one of the poor and marginalized that we in our minds picture Jesus coming to. No, no, no. He was the opposite. He was a user and an abuser. This, this son, Zacchaeus' story kind of puts our, our biblical narrative on its ear. See, Jesus came not just to preach the gospel to the poor. He came to save those who were victimizing the poor. Zacchaeus probably had plenty of money. But what Zacchaeus did not have was the peace and joy that comes from knowing the Savior. So, so the story is that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, he needed to see Jesus, and he had these obstacles in his way. Um, all people have obstacles. Um, everyone has problems that can stop them to get to Jesus. If you allow it, everyone does. Don't allow the horrible, unspeakable things that have been done to you or that you have done to define you. Um, the pain, the failed relationships, the, the horrible, unspeakable things that you've seen, that you've experienced, um, 
that 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 cannot defi- they can define you too many people allow them to define them but they don't have to um, you don't have to allow those kind of things to limit who you can be in Christ Jesus um, my experience and the word tells me that the devil will do anything in his power anything in his power to stop you by killing the word or covering up God's image in your life he'll tell you things like you're too short you're too poor, you're too tall, you're too rich, you're too messed up, you've made too many mistakes in your life, uh, you, have, you have abused people, you have been abused. He'll say anything to stop you from climbing that tree. Don't let him win. Satan will tell you anything to stop you from climbing the tree. I find Zacchaeus' story really interesting Because Zacchaeus could have tried to buy an audience with Jesus. But what he did was he humbled himself and did what what he thought was necessary. Um, See, Zacchaeus, because he was despised and rejected culturally, though he was rich, um, he could not just get to the crowd, and obviously he was short, and so he couldn't just come up and say, uh, excuse you, excuse me, sir, peradventure, would you mind allow me to pass through? As you can see, I can't see. People would have just looked at him and elbowed him in the nose, and he'd have just had to stay at the back, right? Because you're not letting this guy through. He's robbing from you. So instead, what we find is this wealthy adult professional man climbing a tree like a child. Let me tell you something. Jesus loves childlike faith. He, he just loves it when we humble ourselves and do what's necessary. He, he takes pleasure when we choose to believe, when we choose to trust, when we choose to obey, when we choose to do what is necessary regardless of position. Uh, we don't let pride stop us from getting in divine presence. Don't let anything or anyone stop you from getting in the presence of Jesus. You just keep pushing, you keep moving, you keep climbing. You kept going toward Jesus, and don't you ever stop. Don't ever stop. Verse 5 says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Now, that's just really kind of cute, ain't it? But, but the point is here um, that Jesus chose to be a friend to a sinner. Uh, you can see your note there, and those of you that have version, this is on it, I think. Um, he loved Zacchaeus when Zacchaeus was unlovable. When he was nothing but a thief with a curiosity for religion. Religion. He loved Zacchaeus when the whole town would have preferred for Zacchaeus to retire and move on. You know, the truth of the matter is, he loved me when I was a sinner too. Um, He loves you if you're a sinner. Jesus came to seek you and to save you from the power of sin. Um, I I, I ask unusual, I know know this about myself, I ask kind of different questions of the text. Um, Most of everything that I've I've said this morning, I I didn't read this anywhere. It's just me trying to understand this story. And so I, I had to ask, how did Jesus know his name? They did not run in the same social circles. 
Jesus had to know Zacchaeus by reputation alone. And so, honey, if Jesus knows Zacchaeus, he knows your name too. Listen to me. Jesus knows your name. You are not forgotten. What did we just sing? You are not forgotten. Jesus knows who you are. He knows what you've done. He knows what, what's been done to you. And he loves you in the middle of it. And he's calling you to come down out of that tree that you're in this morning and spend a little time with him. Um, I find it curious that Jesus did not decide to climb the fig tree with Zacchaeus. The Son of God is the Son of God. He stopped for Bartimaeus. He stopped for Zacchaeus, but he made Zacchaeus crawl down out of that tree. Now, we've been talking about Job in Sunday school. We know that Jesus is the Lord of creation. If he can walk on water, he can climb a fig tree. How many of y'all, I, 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 we don't have fig trees you can climb in Arkansas, and if you've got one, I really want to see it next year, early summer. When the figs are ripe, I'm going to bring a five-gallon bucket. <laughs> Amen. How many of y'all like pre fig preserves? Oh, hallelujah. So, so Jesus, he just does something to me I, find, I still find really interesting about Jesus. He, calls, he stops and calls Zacchaeus down. And so the one that's got to do some changing is Zacchaeus, not Jesus. Uh, a lot of times what we want, we want Jesus to do is to accommodate us. And really, he did that on the cross, and he's now expecting us to start accommodating him. So the sinner did what he had never done so that he could get the kind of life that only Jesus offers. Now, this I did learn. Listen, listen to this. This is pretty cool. Um, in those days, it was really common uh, for teachers to be invited for a meal. And so Carl and I have several Sundays open. <laughs> you have not because you ask not. <laughs> but it was considered an honor back in those days. I can still remember when people were honored to have the preacher to their house. It was still it was considered an honor in those days for a respected teacher to come into your home, but listen, it was also considered. This is really cool. Um, it was considered. Last week I was spitting and hollering. This week I think I'm just talking for a little bit. Uh, it was considered incredibly rude to invite yourself to someone else's home. It just wasn't done. The crowd would have found it distasteful that Jesus invited himself, not just, to the, not just to anyone's home, but it would have been incredibly distasteful that he invited himself to a known sinner's home because of two things. One, Sumner was talking about the tithe earlier. The, the religious people would have known that Zacchaeus' food wouldn't have been tithed on. Listen, uh, people didn't eat food that wasn't tithed on in those days. You didn't pay your tithe, I ain't coming to your house. You didn't, tithe, you didn't tithe on them turnip greens. Baby, I ain't eating them turnip greens. That's how serious they were about it. They wouldn't eat nothing. If the lamb had the, if the, if they didn't offer that the best part of the of the lamb to the to the uh, to the Lord, they weren't they, what the, the Pharisees, especially in any religious person, they said, I ain't eating that. So 
they would have known that Zacchaeus wasn't a tither, uh, wasn't a giver. He wasn't a giver because they know he was a stealer, so you're not a thief and a giver at the same time, at least usually. And he invited himself, Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. Well, in my studies over the last couple of months, as I've been reading this particular study Bible, I have learned that up, up during this time and, and even before that, there was something called a, a, a bond of friendship that, in, that instituted at a meal. And so it wasn't just that Jesus wanted to hang out with him. No, 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 no. It's actually pretty cool. Uh, Jesus wanted to enter into a covenant relationship with Zacchaeus that basically said, Zacchaeus, you got my back. I got yours. I, want to, I don't want to just be acquaintances with you. I want to be a friend to you. Now, Scripture speaks of Jesus as being the friend that sticks closer than any brother anyway. And so uh, Jesus is offering Zacchaeus a covenant relationship, all the while Zacchaeus is a rank sinner in a tree. Hmm. I would suggest that you open your home to Jesus today. Um, when I was reading this, I was reminded of, of the words of Peter uh, I don't know if I put them up here or not. Uh, Acts 10, 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, this is, Acts chapter 10 is where the Holy Ghost falls at Cornelius' house. And Peter is just flummoxed by the whole deal. Um, he didn't know anything about Gentiles being saved. He sure didn't know anything about a Gentile being filled with the Spirit. Um, he was on a, a roof of a house praying, and he had to have an open vision for God to speak to him. And, and so, Jesus, so Peter begrudgingly goes to Cornelius' house. He starts preaching, and the Holy Ghost falls. And, and, and Peter's response in this, I still chuckle at it almost every time I read it out loud. Of a truth, uh, Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. I just read that, and I say, Praise the Lord. And so Peter, Peter, you know, Peter, he, 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 Peter was Peter now, and, uh, and he learned something that day, and, and I think Jesus started showing him this with Nicodemus, Nicodemus with Zacchaeus' story. See, Jesus uh, seeks the lost, but, but notice this. Uh, there you go, I have that as a note for you. I wanted you to be able to see this with me. But notice this, that Jesus goes out of, out of his way with those who climb the limbs of a sycamore tree. With those who will cry out, Hosanna! Even when they're being told to hush. Jesus notices those who press through the crowd just to touch him. For those who run for him naked, afraid, and cast out. Y'all know the story of the demoniac from the Garden of the Gadarenes, or from the tombs. Living, if you can call it that. He, he is pleased with those. And, and my mind went to this woman, too. Uh, I, I, I want to meet this woman when we get to heaven. Uh, because Jesus, Jesus kind of just said something uh, off the wall and kind of hard. Uh, she came asking Jesus, for those of you that don't know the story, this woman, a Gentile woman, came and asked Jesus to please heal her daughter. And Jesus basically said no. And the woman asked again. And, and he said, it's not good to give the children's bread to dogs. And this woman said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat from the master's table. Now, this woman I got to meet. Because Jesus all but insulted her, and she kept on. 
There's just something about people that keep on that gets the master's attention. There's just something about somebody that'll buck up, that'll throw their shoulders back and say, not today, Mr. Devil, not today, religious person, not today, crowd. No, today I'm getting to Jesus. Today I'm climbing the tree. Today I'm crying out Hosanna. Today I'm running as fast as I can. I don't care how naked and poor and beaten and battered that I am. I don't care what Jesus says. He can call me a dog and I'm still going to hang around. I'm just got to get to Jesus. I, I, I identify with all of this because this is how I was. My life was a mess, and I needed Jesus, and I couldn't take no for an answer. Somebody just needs to invite Jesus to their house today. Maybe we ought to do it right now. Lord, right now we just pray. For, Lord, I pray for that person right now whose heart's just beating in their chest harder and harder and harder the longer that I talk. God, empower them, enable them, give them the courage to say, please come into my house and live with me. They hear you knocking on the door. Maybe they don't even know what to do. Lord, right now, those people who hear you knocking on the door of their heart, I pray that you'll give them the courage to, to open it up and you come into them right now. So verse 6 says, uh, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, uh, climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. Hmm. He is gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Uh, the King James Version of that says that Zacchaeus received him joyfully. You see, Zacchaeus was excited, he was happy that the master was going to uh, share a meal with him and likely even spend the night. See, we know that, that Jericho is still 17 more miles away from Jerusalem. Jesus had a whole day's walk ahead of him. So when Jesus basically says, I'm, now listen to this, this is good, this will help you. When Jesus says, I'm stopping walking and I'm going to go eat a meal with Zacchaeus, what he's saying is, I'm pausing my journey to Jerusalem. Now, where was Jesus? What was Jesus fixing to do in Jerusalem, Afton? What was he He was going to the cross. Let me get in there and preach for just a minute. Chris, Jesus is going to the cross. He's going to deposit pages and pages and pages of your Bible in Scripture. They're going to record everything that he does except for about one day. And, and, and it's just going to be paid. Pages in the Bible. It's going to be page after page after page of who Jesus talks to, what Jesus said. It's incredibly important what Jesus is going to do. The whole mission of his life is about to be fulfilled in one week's time. They're going to crucify him. A couple of days later, he's going to be raised from the dead. And Jesus meets this little old heathen man that ain't nothing but a thief, a derelict that nobody likes. And he stops his tracks and he spends the night with him. He says, Oh my God, how are you going to live through that, man? The king of the universe says, I'm going to your house. We're fixing to break bread. And all of a sudden, the whole universe of expectations of what God will do in the life of a man changes on a dime. And it's all because Zacchaeus climbed a tree. Don't tell me there wasn't other people in Jericho that needed Jesus. But Jericho, oh, come on now. Jericho got turned on his ear, and the whole town was mad about it. 
Shell, they were mad. Jesus, the teacher, they didn't know who he was. They didn't know what he was doing. They didn't understand the cross. I'm, mess, I'm, I'm messing up baby sleep. I might be messing up a grown person's sleep. I'm sorry, go on back. I'll leave you alone now. The king of the universe. You know, the one who walks on water. You know, him. That guy. He said, I'm going to your house. Because he looked at Zacchaeus and knew that Zacchaeus had potential. Ten verses, Zacchaeus' story, we never hear from him again. He gets ten verses, and Luke is the only one who records the story. Zacchaeus has ten verses in the whole Bible. And every kid that's under the age of seven years old knows Zacchaeus' story. Ten verses. A nothing, a nobody. People couldn't stand him, man. And here you are, you think you got to clean up before you get to Jesus. Here you are, and, and the devil's told you, now listen, if you're going to go start going to church, you're going to have to get you some new clothes. You're going to have to get a better haircut. You're going to have to shave and shower. Listen, you, gotta, you can't go partying no more. You can't spend your money on this no more. They're going to start talking to you about tithing and stuff. And the, whole, the, the devil will tell you whatever to keep you out of the presence of God and out of the house of God. And all the while, Jesus is looking up and he's trying to find somebody that will press through the crowd and not listen to that mess and just ask him, Jesus, please come. Please come. So the self-righteous set were so upset that Jesus, who just healed, man, they were upset. He had just healed Bartimaeus. Had just done it. That's the reason I told you the story. He just done it on the outside of town and walked into town, and people went from, from glad to mad. You and the Jesus in you will certainly displease some folks. It just happens. Some are displeased when you do right. Some are going to be displeased when you do wrong. Others are just waiting on you to mess up so they can feel better about themselves. Jesus healed Bartimaeus. Yay! Jesus stopped what he was doing on the way to the cross and gave Nicodemus an afternoon and spent the night at his house. Most likely, he spent the night at Zacchaeus' house. They haven't found Zacchaeus' house. It's ruined. But, but everything that I read basically said that because he was so rich, if he can give away half what he has, return all the tax money that he stole, he'll still be rich. <clears throat> he would have had a house big enough to accommodate Jesus and Jesus' guests because Jesus was going to have to spend the night somewhere. So Jesus, Jesus did all that. Listen, Zacchaeus is about to open a door that millions of people have been running through since. Zacchaeus, when he opened, when Zacchaeus opened, when Zacchaeus opened, I'm going to say it, when Zacchaeus opened this door, you ran through it, I ran through it, and millions of people have been running through that same door since. Verse 8, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I'll give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. Zacchaeus must have heard John the Baptist tell the Pharisees to, Matthew chapter 8, I like how the contemporary English version words it. It's nice and simple. It's, it's turning into one of my more favorite modern translations. Um, 
John the Baptist is talking to the Pharisees, where this verse comes from, and uh, he, call, he just called them a brood of vipers. What are you doing here to repent? You're not here to repent. You're here to criticize. So people, people even criticize somebody else trying to repent. It's just crazy, man. They'll find anything to criticize somebody about. I'm here to get my life right to Jesus. Somebody else say, well, you should have done that three years ago. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just what, there's, this, there's always going to be one, Sumner. There's always going to be one that said, well, I like, I like chocolate, chocolate icing on my yellow cake. I didn't want chocolate. If I wanted a devil's food cake, I'd ask for a devil's food. There's always going to be somebody. And that's what's going on here. But, but John the Baptist, he looks at these group of people and he tells them to do something that shows that you've really given up your sins. The, the King James Version says something like, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. And so Zacchaeus recognizes that what he's been doing all these years is equivalent to theft. And so he offers to make restitution. In response to Jesus' presence, he says, his behavior indicates, he said, not only am I not going to thieve anymore, anybody that I have, I have stolen from, I'm going to restore it to them fourfold. Now, um, both Jewish and Roman law, that's how they deal, dealt with thieves. Now, they might have beat them senseless too, I don't, I don't know. But I know Jewish law and Roman law, uh, the, the dictate was that you pay back four times. Four times. That was just the rule, the amount that you stole. So immediately in the presence of Jesus, the thief becomes something he wasn't, and that's honest. Isn't that something? How just a moment in the presence of Jesus, the thief becomes an honest man. Come on. See, things change in the presence of Jesus. He gives you a new identity. Zacchaeus is no longer a dishonorable man. In the presence of the Lord, he says this, I'm going to restore fourfold. It's to me, giving half of what he had to the poor, that's, that's, that's awesome. Repaying the people that he stole from four times, that is spectacular. That's spectacular. He, he's saying, he, what he's saying is, he's going to humble himself to every single person that he did wrong. If I took $100 from you I wasn't supposed to take, you come see me and we'll give you four. How hard was that? Tabitha, how hard was that? Saying, listen, it would have been easy to say, now I'm going to give half of my stuff to the poor. And everybody go, yay, help the poor. And that would have been good. But Sumner, he took it to a whole new place. And said, if I defrauded anybody, anything, they can come see me and I'm going to restore it. And so you think that the same people that was mumbling and grumbling and complaining and mad five minutes ago, now they're doing a little dance and they're going, yay, they're singing money's on its way to my house. I, I don't know what you need to do, but I have endeavored to live and be Jesus to the least of these for about 25 years. Um, when I got saved, I was so self-centered in such a mess that I really feel like Jesus has just asked me to do things that, that didn't have nothing to do with me. I'm going to be honest. And, and I'm also going to be honest and say 
that it seems to me in retrospect, 20, however many years later, 25 years later, I believe that uh, the sacrifice of my time, our money, our sleep, our energy, our passion, our service, and anything else that Jesus has called me to do that was beyond my ability or really even willingness to do to some degree um, is nothing, is nothing compared to the riches of his grace that he showed me when I was hopeless and helpless and overwhelmed by the disastrous life that I created. And so it is no sacrifice at all for me to say I'm going to bring forth fruits that prove I am a penitent man. And, and I have seen through the years Jesus ask people to do that and they struggle. Zacchaeus didn't struggle. I'm not saying it's always been easy for me, but I had nothing when Jesus saved me. I didn't have no money. I barely had a job. My wife and I were separated. I was depressed. I was on the verge of being an alcoholic. It was bad. I was alone and lonely and depressed, and it was just a mess. And so if Jesus wants that mess and he's going to make it better, he can have whatever he wants out of what he gave me because I had proven by the time I was 25 years old that I couldn't do nothing right. So if he wants me to move here and move there and do this and do that and give away half of what I got, then bless God he can have half because I didn't have nothing when he found me. I didn't have nothing. So maybe you need to do something too. This is where the sermon takes a little turn. Um, have, have you, I'm going to ask you a question. It's not, not meant to be judgmental. It's certainly not meant to be critical. But I'm going to ask you a question. Um, have, you, have you really given up and renounced the sin that you used to enjoy? Or are you still nostalgic just a little bit for the good old days? Do, do you, look, do you look, at, look at those days of sin and rebellion and kind of smile, or does it grieve you in your heart the things that you've done? Do you really want? Also, I ask another question: Do you really want to go back to being the man you were when Jesus saved you? Me either. Verse nine. I'm almost done. I know this is a long sermon, but I can't help it. Jesus responded, "Salvation has come to this home today." What's the day of salvation? Somebody say today. Today is always the day of salvation. When can you get right with God? Today. Uh, when can you start serving the Lord with all your strength, might, heart? So today, today's the day, right now. Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. See, at the end of the day, Zacchaeus' story tells us what we already know. And that is salvation is true riches. It's, 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 not, it's not money. Zacchaeus points out that it is not, it is not a big house. It is not a, it's not even the air conditioner in your car. And God knows nobody wants an air conditioner, wants a car without an air conditioner, except we had one for two years when we were in Bible school and we lived in central Louisiana. That was a lot of fun. We just couldn't afford to get the air conditioner fixed. So everywhere we, everywhere we drove, we were sweating by the time we get there. Because it's hot down there, y'all. It's hot. 
But salvation is what true riches are. Uh, Zacchaeus' story also tells us that the mission of the church is, is to always engage the lost, uh, to make disciples of all nations, all men, to preach the gospel to all people everywhere, to be Jesus to the least of these, to restore dignity to the poor, to preach healing to the sick, to set at liberty those who have been held captive by sin's death grip. That's what Zacchaeus' story tells us. See, Jesus is using you to help him seek the lost, the hurting, the undone, the victimized, and even the victimizer. And that's hard for some of us, especially for those of us that lean hard to the justice side. You know, for those of us to say they just got what they deserved. See, if Zacchaeus would have got what he deserved, he'd have went to hell. Jesus did not give Zacchaeus what Zacchaeus deserved, honey. Jesus gave Zacchaeus what Jesus came to give Zacchaeus, and that's life. And he'll give it to the abuser as well as the abused. And that's hard for us. But Jesus came to set the addict free, and he also came to, to set the dealer free. He wants to fill homes with joy. Um, Zacchaeus' whole house, the, the atmosphere was supernaturally changed the moment Jesus walked in. Do you, do you remember the, when the atmosphere of your house was changed because Jesus was there? I do. Um, Jesus, Jesus wants to make honest men out of thieves, cheaters, and adulterers. I do. I believe he wants to make teetotalers out of drunks, freed men out of addicts, peaceful men out of violent men, givers out of takers, men out of boys. I think that's just what Jesus wants to do. I think that's what he wants to do. And so I'm going to challenge you with Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Then he said to them, many of you already know this. See, the, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so I want you to take a minute to remember the terrible place you were in. I don't want you to live there. I just want you to visit it for a second. Uh, the terrible place you were in when Jesus delivered salvation to your home. Think about that for just a minute. That's what we're going to do. Lord, right now I just pray that you remind every person in this room where they were and what it was like when you saved them. Remind them of the hopelessness for those that were hopeless, the depravity for those who were just vile sinners, the addiction, the shame, or the arrogance. Remind them where they were. For those of them that were like me and that were just at the bottom of a pit, remind them what it smelled like and looked like down there. Remind us. With that on your mind, I want you to dedicate yourself to join Jesus as he continues to seek and to save the lost. Join in the battle for souls by praying, serving, giving freely of your time and money. You see, you were lost little Zacchaeus. I was lost, little Zacchaeus. If you were lost, little Zacchaeus, and had to climb a tree, raise your hand. There's several of us that were lost, that, that identify. We, I was lost, little Zacchaeus. Now I believe the Lord is saying to us this morning to go and be the good Samaritan. You were lost, little Zacchaeus. Now go be the good Samaritan. Help. Now, I'm going to close with the word of encouragement like I try to always do. 
on Sunday mornings for sure. And, and I don't have the time. I thought I might have time to read the whole passage. But uh, to remind those of you that know the story, you see, when you get in partnership with Jesus and you allow him to borrow your boat, um, he, he, he'll return it full of fish. Um, that story is from Luke chapter 5 where Jesus uh, saw the guys have been fishing all night, some of his buddies, and they hadn't caught anything. And so Jesus gets in the boat and says, push out a little bit. I got some teaching to do. And uh, so they, they did what Jesus asked them to do, though they'd been up all night working. That's a sermon in and of itself. So they went on ahead and did what Jesus wanted them to do. They'd been working all night, hadn't been fruitful. And uh, then Jesus, he says, I need you to go ahead and cast the net over here. Jesus wasn't a fisherman. He was a teacher. But they went ahead and did what Jesus told them to do. And the Bible says, by the time you get to verse 5, 6, and 7, that the guys whose boat they used caught so much fish that they had to call for their buddies that were whose ships were whose boats were at the shore and say, I need you to bring your boat out here too. And so Jesus filled all of their boats up with fish that day. Now these were fishermen. This is this is how they made their living, Chris. It's what it's what they did. And so if when when you become the prodigal, when you start letting Jesus use your boat when you become a partner with the Lord in, in the harvest um, and you start tithing and giving and, and, and serving and working and just partnering with the Lord, the Lord is really good and he'll make sure somehow or another you have enough. And, and I believe he'll even make sure you have more than enough. Thanks again for listening to the Word of Grace podcast. We are located in Hope, Arkansas, and our service times are 10.30 Sunday mornings and 6.30 Wednesday nights. You can find our live streams on our Facebook page and learn more about who we are at wog-hope.com. That's w-o-g-hope.com. See you soon. God bless.